This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and you're listening to Season 5, Episode 3. And the New York Rangers find themselves halfway through training camp, about halfway through the preseason, having played three games with just two remaining. And they have trimmed their roster for training camp down to 27 players. And it's getting quite interesting down to the wire in terms of available spots up on the big club with the blue shirts. And we're going to talk about all of that in today's episode. But first, hey, everybody, Andy here. I'm recording this on a Sunday evening. The New York Jets are in the midst of yet another disappointing performance against the Kansas City Chiefs as becoming a running theme. You know, let's just be honest, not this, uh, not just this season, but uh, this decade half century would take your pick but um again we're here to talk about the new york rangers so as of this recording the rangers have played four preseason games so far they had a loss in boston against the boston bruins they had a win at home against the new york islanders they had a loss at home against the new jersey devils and then they just had uh the other evening a loss against the new york islanders at UBS Arena on Long Island. So they're currently one and four on the preseason so far. Um, no, that's not right. They're one or one and three. Jesus Christ. It's late. Give me, yeah, cut me some slack. But uh, yeah, one and three. So in four preseason games so far, and they're, I think, more so than ever I can remember in immediate memory, New York Rangers fans have really strong opinions based on the preseason <laughs> thus far. And I do want to preface all this with saying it just my personal belief is that, look, you can glean some things from the preseason maybe, but it, ultimately it's the preseason. That doesn't mean that players' performances aren't notable or important. It just means that players performing well is not an indication that they are about to have a monster year and players performing poorly is not an indication that they are going to have a down year or a terrible year. So just getting that out of the way, that again, it, I'm not saying you can't read anything from these tea leaves here, but it's more of a, I would say the preseason, I guess, A, it's different for every players. Obviously, the young players and the marginal fourth line guys are going to look like they're giving it their all. And then as the vets and maybe hell, maybe even some players who are looking to have a good year, they might be saving themselves for the regular season. They might be going at just enough a clip to kind of get their legs under them, but not wanting to blow their wad or get hurt in a preseason game. So um, we're going to address all this in a little bit more in depth. And if you're listening to this, you probably know what, what and more specifically whom I'm alluding or you know how many whoms I'm alluding to uh, right now. But that I just wanted to say that off the top that, listen, 
it's there's plenty to be gleaned from the preseason. And you know, let's let's get into that. Let's talk about that. So what can we glean from the preseason so far? Um or maybe better yet, Andy, what are you gleaning from the preseason thus far? Because again, this is just my opinion, but I think so far what I can say for sure is uh it seems like Peter Laviolette has a system in place, which is good. I, the Rangers have not had a system period, it seems, in, geez, I can't remember when. I mean, for the last few coaches the Rangers had, obviously, Tortorella, let's go back to Tortorella, all right? Um, under John Tortorella, the Rangers were a defensive-minded core, black and blue shirts, block shots win every game two to one because you have Henrik Lundqvist in that right not much of a scheme to help the players out other than block shots and be hard to play against in your own end you know what I mean uh then you go to Elaine Vigneault who obviously the Rangers had some considerable success under for a hot minute there you know obviously going to the cup final and um, some, you know, conference final run and a few other uh, deeper playoff runs. But ultimately, Elaine Vigneault stretched the ice, fly forwards fly the zone early to, to keep the, the opposing team on their heels, but not much in way of support in uh, the zones or in, you know, in the, their own defensive end or in the other end. Um, so Vigneault's out. David Quinn comes in. Uh, Again, he's more of a, I would say David Quinn's system was more of a concept in that, you know, whatever, hard, the buzzwords were all there, hard to play against, you know, forecheck. These are all things he said, but when you looked at his teams, it was a little bit more, it was more, he was trying to instill habits, but there, he definitely, it seemed like for the young guys, if they didn't do the habits, if they didn't possess the habits that David Quinn wanted them to have, then they would see their ice time diminished, and I guess the vets just kind of tuned them out and do whatever they wanted. Then you bring in Gerard Gallant, which who had maybe a more, a little bit more refined version of this, where it's like he also was more of a concepts guy. He wasn't much of an X's and O's person. It's like seemed to like to concede the blue line and let everyone get his teams already be set up. Definitely a simpler system in a way in that it's like, look, we're not going to get caught. So we're going to just try to make sure we're in position. And then, yeah, we're going to try to dump pucks in and, you know, get after it all, all the stuff. Again, the same buzzwords you hear with Quinn, but you know, he carried a little bit more respect was a little bit better at handling guys in the room. So, and thusly you kind of saw, um, you know, effort, albeit very inconsistent, not very critical of team performance. Um, you also would see a lot of confusion when teams would adjust to what the Rangers were doing. We saw it in the seven-game series against the New Jersey Devils in the first round in the playoffs last year, where the Rangers win their first two games on the road and then end up losing in seven because they just could not adjust once the Devils adjusted to the game they were playing. So, But the good news is it would at least glean under Peter Laviolette that I do see a system coming together. And again, it's early. Players are still trying to get themselves familiarized with it. But for the Rangers look like they're playing much faster, which is good because I think sooner rather than later, the amount of slow teams in the National Hockey League, quote unquote, 
is going to be gone. It's even the teams that maybe aren't the fastest skaters are going to at least move the puck faster. So, um, but emphasis on attacking. I see a lot, lot seems a lot easier breaking out. And again, I'm I'm qualifying this by saying it's the preseason. So that doesn't mean that they are not going to have system trouble or difficulty in some of these areas coming up. But at least from what I can see, it's that it seems like there's definitely more of a structure to break the puck out in their own end. Low forward swinging to provide support to when a D-man gets the puck, either from his partner behind the net or rim to his side or in a D-to-D pass near the circles. And that there's someone, uh, a forward that is there to provide support and an option in the middle of the ice and a player just right at, you know, on the boards near the line to also. So less forwards flying and then one person just kind of there to collect the puck with their back up to the ice, which under uh, Gerard Gallant drove me mad because literally handcuffing your own breakout because you then have to turn up ice, which takes time as you have four checkers moving in on you and then you panic and then just kind of do a, uh, a chip off the wall just giving up possession because you don't want to get splattered and you all don't want to cough the puck up. So um, see that definitely more standing up in the neutral zone, which again is going to be good for slowing down some of the faster teams in the league. Uh, And, you know, I think, you know, I think in for the Rangers, not too much different in the offensive zone. I think that's where there've been more of the Rangers strengths. The last few seasons has been in, on offense in the offensive zone they're one of the best teams in the league for making uh, cross-ice passes but um you know i think it's more peter lavulet hoping the fact that they are trying to attack with speed through the neutral zone and be more aggressive to stand pucks and plays up and so they can transition and attack faster will hope ultimately lead for more rush chances for the rangers but uh it might come at the expense of you know, I, I think where the Rangers have been for years, a quality over quantity team, I do think you might see that flip, that script flip a little bit this year where it might end up being more uh, quantity of chances, but maybe the quality is not as high. But that being said, they're just consistently getting more of them if they can keep their structure, if their Ds can make better breakout passes and first passes. And honestly, oh, the one thing that is noticeable that we've seen a bit, uh, especially in players like Keandre Miller and Adam Fox early, is D basically jumping down from the blue line, switches with the forwards in the offensive zone to cause disarray and chaos and havoc. And we saw, like I said, Keandre Miller do that quite a few times in his um shifts this preseason so these are things ultimately that are heartening to me as a ranger fan because you at least you see a system in place and at the very least when the rangers are being stymied they have something to rely back on and say just you know play the system it should at least your system should at the very least helpful help you and it and or at the best help you and at the worst not uh, not hinder you. And I think that's the kind of the situation the Rangers have been in with their lack of structure over the last, I, I guess, like I said, few coaches, honestly, just this, you know, a system that's a little bit more coherent in all three zones and 
one of those things that it might not sync up every night, but that being said, the core concepts remain the same and they are at least there that to maximize efficiency and hopefully minimize the swings between when the team is on and naturally feeling it and when they're not, which I think under Gerard Gallant, you saw a lot. He's more of a player's coach. He's more of a pulse finger on the pulse of the room. And so sometimes you get every, all the Rangers executing amazingly and playing great. And then there'd just be times where if it wasn't there, it was just not pretty. So um, I think, yeah, I think that's where we're at with Peter Laviolette so far, at least what we can glean early in the preseason. I guess the next thing that I've noticed about the preseason is the standouts of standout performances from a few players and namely, and there's not a lot of them to be honest. I, uh, if I'm being totally honest, I haven't seen as far as the Rangers veterans, I haven't seen anything to impress me at all. But again, I I think that's by design. Uh, I'll say this, that game versus the Islanders was offensive to the eyes for two and three quarter periods. And I don't think you can glean anything from that because I think the younger players struggled in the younger players seem to struggle without much help from a supposed veteran core. You know what I mean? It's just, they're not NHL caliber players yet, but they should be insulated a bit by having some guns firing, you know, blazing or or some help support from their teammates. And just, it just was not there. That being said, you know, like, yeah, the vets are, listen, they're getting their legs under them. That was, Zabanjad's second game coming off of an injury. He looks like he's really not trying to push it too much. Panarin looked like he was out for a, a skate sweat, a men's league skate sweat out there. He wasn't moving his legs much either. Um, a lot has been said about Lafreniere's uh, disappointing performance so far. I actually thought Lafreniere was fine in the Bruins game. Uh, I thought he was pretty meh um, in his second game. Um against the Devils, and then I thought he was not great last night again, but again, he was getting blamed for not carrying, not moving his feet, where I saw far worse from Panarin and Zibanejad. I just, I don't know. It's, you know, obviously, yes, it's like he should want to prove himself and use this as to show off what he's been working on all summer and look different. He needs to look different. Uh, I remember Kako tore up the preseason last year and we're like, all right, here we go. Kapo Kako breakout. He's time. And he proceeded to be better, but ultimately pretty meh to underwhelming for most of the season. You know, he clearly had, had made it, it strides and improvements, but at the same time, it wasn't like it just not to belabor my point I made on the opening of this podcast, but it's just really hard to glean what's going to happen. This how this season's going to play out because it would not surprise me if start game one that Lafreniere looks dangerous or has the puck a bunch and makes more plays and is around the puck more or is like giving more of an effort. It wouldn't surprise me, and it would piss people off you know, Rangers fans, because like, well, why didn't he do this in the preseason? Like, was he saving it? Like, you know what I mean? It's just, he can't kind of win if you're in his shoes. Um, It's like, they want to see him skating around like full strides to show how much his skating has improved and all this and that, but, or, you know, just look effective. And listen, I get it. I want him to be effective too. 
I also have my doubts currently about ultimately the, the, the his ceiling as an NHLer. But that being said, you know, I just it's really hard to to glean that after what three preseason games or whatever how much it's been. So I'm not I'm not gonna to do that. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw down five on any of this week's epic matchups and walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Connecticut, help is available for a gambling problem at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms of responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. But no, this segment is really to talk about the standouts. And obviously the the two most notable ones are Brennan Othman and Will Cooley. And I guess to a lesser extent, some other players like Eric Gustafson, uh, who had a really nice, I think he's only played, what, one, maybe two games for in the preseason, but looked really good in that game, that loss against the Devils. And, you know, and look, I th- believe he played in the game against the Islanders, which they won at the guard. And he looked good in that one, too. Um, Keandre Miller has looked good, pretty, pretty good in flashes. And so is Adam Fox. But again, this is more to talk about for the young guys who are the guys on the cusp who honestly might not have a chance of at least starting the year on this team, but could potentially win a, that next call-ups slot, depending on what, where the Rangers, if the Rangers get hurt and in what position this upcoming year is Cooley and Othman. Um, both have looked effective and not even just what they've done with the puck on their stick, but maybe even more so just what's impressed me the most about uh, the most about both of them is their play without the puck, which I thought would be the biggest troubling thing for for both of them. But um, if, if anything, I thought it would kind of be a, a, where you, Cooley would struggle with the puck on a stick and Othman would struggle with the puck without a stick, but it's kind of, it hasn't. I think they've both looked really effective in just both making things happen when the team needed it. They both got uh, their second goal of the preseason, or I believe it was Cooley's second. It definitely Othman's second, but they both get a goal in the in the uh, you know in <laughs> dying time of the third period in that piss poor effort against the Islanders. Um, Brennan Othman has shown some pretty good reads throughout this preseason, and he's not a burner at all, but. He hasn't. The, the most important thing is neither of them have been watching the flow of the game. They're in the flow of the game, and they're not paying, playing catch up because they can both clearly at least process what process what's going on. And you know, I think the game against both the Islanders and the Devils were very fast paced games. They were definitely NHL pace 
and that could be really daunting for bigger, slower players. You know, Cooley's a big, bigger kid, good skater though. But but you know, Othman is still growing into his frame, so he's like around six foot, maybe almost six one, but never known as a burner. But he didn't look slow. He looked like he was processing things, and I think more importantly with Othman is that he was always in the right spot on defense and getting back, putting it, making himself available when he had the puck on his stick, he was always putting it in a positive direction. And it wasn't just like, you know, has made some good passes, has had some good shots on goal, some good chances, um, been in front of the net. He's played his past game, you know, and Cooley has uh, played pretty much his game too. A lot of uh, trying to get tips in front of the net, going to the, the net, basically playing heavy game, heavy hits. And they basically just in a nutshell have both made themselves effective. I mean, you know, they're for the Rangers youngsters, they were definitely the most impressive. I thought Sakura and Berard at times had some good flashes and in the little bit of uh, pre game, you know, preseason action that they did, but they ultimately, you could tell they both kind of need some more season. AHL time will do them well, but and I would have said before this that both Cooley and Othman, they should definitely start the year in Hartford. I think they will. I actually, I, I changed that. I know they're both, both going to start the year in Hartford. You can quote me on that right now. I guess the question becomes, is it the right decision? And it's like, well, from a, you know, they both would not require waivers to go down. The Rangers do not want to lose some of their depth depth pieces in some of the players they might have to wave to send down if they want to send down like fourth liners, you know, if they want to send down uh Pitlick or Benino or any of these types of players to um to Hartford, they'd have to get put on waivers. And if they get picked off, then you lose your depth and you don't have a call up option. Whereas if someone gets hurt, you can call the kids up, you don't lose anyone to waiver. So at least from that end, it makes sense. Also it also makes sense in the way that, look, it's clearly if they've looked good, it seems that it's working. They're on a good development path. Cooley played in the AHL last year. He can start play there again with, albeit more responsibility and bigger minutes. We can really see, you know, everyone's always had him penciled in for the fourth line, but is there more there? Is there middle six skill there for him and production eventually? Well, the only way you can f- figure that out is if you give him an expanded role where he would get it in Hartford because he's not going to get it in the New York Rangers. You know what I mean? Um, and same thing for Othman. You know, he's they were already clamoring for Kako and Lafreniere to get and Heedle to get more opportunities. So, so where does that leave Brennan Othman? And yes, it, it's nice to have this whole perfect world cream rises to the top situation. And if he's meant to be where, you know, whatever spot he to be and he's going to be there, but it's just not how it works. But that being said, you send him to Hartford. He can get pow- all the power play time he wants. He can get first line minutes, uh, you know, and just continue to develop his game, continue to play at that pace, continue to get more, just, and honestly, just work on the things he's got to work on at the pro level. Because even though he's looked good, he could still stand to get better at transporting the puck with pace and his reads and all this stuff. Like, just keep refining and refining, refining. And instead of doing what the Rangers have done and rush players in before they're ready, just let them marinate, take their time, and and do it the right way. Um, and obviously beyond those two, the other 
player that has impressed so far is Johnny Brodzinski. Um, obviously, he's had he was up with the Rangers a bunch last season as their uh, 13th forward. He's the captain of the Hartford Wolf Pack, but you know he changed his number from he was like 70 something to 22. So I think that shows you that the odds of him making this team are pretty strong. He's definitely emerged as you know the clear favorite to either be on the opening night roster or at least just be the extra forward. And he, he there's a lot to like about his game. He's got a rocket of a shot and he's got good wheels and he forechecks hard. But again, I think the Rangers have been littered with these types of players as is every team over, over the years. And you need these types of players, but at the very least, you know that he, when he's on the ice, he might, he might be a player that, that makes things happen. Ultimately doesn't get rewarded for it. That's, you know, he's that'll have a heavy shot, but it'll just be just wide, hit posts, all that. But um again, I think as long as he is a net positive in Peter Laviolette's system in terms of forechecking, he can be a puck hound for a more skilled line. You know, he can just do just enough of everything to be effective. So which is basically what you want out of your fourth liners and your extra forward. So it's Brodzinski's really impressed. Peter Labulette's had some pretty glowing things to say about him so far and that he's, you know, you have to make your opportunities and earn your opportunities. And there's a reason he's been every preseason game so far. He's played in all four. It's because he's earned those looks with his play. So kudos to Johnny Brodzinski. Um, because again, there is still, you know, between Benino and Pitlick and Goudreau and Cooley and, um, you know, just uh, I guess Jimmy VC, if you want to go down that route too, there's there was a lot of uh, bottom six and and you know fourth line competition there. So and he's standing out, which is which is good for him. Um, you know, Alex Belzeal, these types of players. But again, the Rangers have basically trimmed their roster down to 27, um, and basically probably for these final two games against the Devils and the Bruins, you're going to mostly get their lineups as what they're thinking they're going to try to roll with going into the regular season. So um, that'll be exciting to see just to see on paper, maybe what, which way Peter Laviolette's leaning. Cause he has experimented a bit with, you know, trying Lafreniere on his off wing on different lines, trying to finally split up Lindgren and Fox and get some more balance between him and Truba. Um, you know, and Schneider and Guffs and, and uh, now I guess now Guffs is in, in the mix that just to find a different mix than what the Rangers have done recently, try to have a puck mover on every line. But um, it the, the lineup for those games will be pretty informative of maybe which way he is leaning and what his uh, thinking is. So that'll be fascinating to see those lineups when uh, come game day or the practice, I guess, the morning skate before game day. What else? What else? Um, oh, yeah, I guess. I guess we have to talk about uh, the elephant in the room in the play of Jonathan Quick so far this preseason. Uh, the two games he's played in, he hasn't looked so hot. I mean, in fairness to him, he's gotten very little help in, in both games he played in were basically skeleton squads mixed in with some vets who weren't trying, you know what I mean? So, But the body language hasn't been great and what he's given up in terms of just biting too easily on shots out of position. Uh, he's made some good saves He's that because he's had to, but um, unfortunately just he's what he's given up three goals and both of 
three plus goals right in both of his around that in both of his starts so just uh, not inspiring a lot of confidence of what you want to see luckily Igor looks from his very limited preseason play has looked excellent so that's good but uh you have to wonder is you know and, and again you have to hope that he'll look fine once uh he's playing in NHL action but there are I've had some legitimate concerns about whether or not he should you know Jonathan Quick is uh, quote unquote cooked or not but um you have to hope that you know didn't didn't I didn't really get to see much of his play down the stretch with the Vegas Golden Knights I know he didn't get to play much they did win the Stanley Cup but um yeah you have to hope that he can at least give Igor some rest but I mean yeah you also hope it's not like a Biron situation where he plays what you know the first quarter of the season and says you know what I'm just I I don't got it anymore unfortunately I gotta hang it up here so um but I guess that then the question would would arrive is that is Dylan Garand the next man up um you know the Rangers did send him down today to Hartford to report for training camp but so then you, if that, if they do be, find themselves in that situation, um, who knows? Yaroslav Halak still doesn't have a, a contract, but they would probably wouldn't have the money to pay him. But, you know, you have to assume he's holding out for something a little bit pricier than maybe what the Rangers would be willing to give. But he did play well for the Rangers last year. You know, his, his rough start was less about him and more about the fact that the Rangers just could not give him goal support. But he found his stride and, you know, he was good for the Rangers, I thought, last year. I had no problems with how Halak played at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's then the Rangers might have to go uh, bar bargain bin hunting elsewhere. Uh, but I've liked what I've seen from Dylan Garand. But that being said, is he ready for that type of action this early? Or, or should he just continue to really, you know, he is an undersized goaltender, so he's got to be extra on and, and dialed in, but I've really liked his ability to fight, you know, through screens and traffic early. And he's, you know, he's, he's sharp in his reads and he's aggressive when he has to be. So, I mean, it's not what I, mean, maybe it's not out of the question that he could be due for a call, but he is a still a little young. We know goaltenders, they don't really mentally round out to form until a little bit later than uh, skaters do. Probably usually that's, you know, I know Devin Levi's, uh, pretty young for Buffalo and he's going to most likely uh, start the season for them. So, but that being said, uh, yeah, we have to hope we're <laughs> that Jonathan quick is up to the task because it would be absolutely brutal for the Rangers to sign him yet another hometown kid coming home and just not performing up to snuff. a la you know, Kevin Shattenkirk um, or God, I'm trying to think of all the litany of other, you know, local New York kids come home and then just play like absolute donkey doo doo for the New York Rangers. But, uh, yeah, you, you have to hope the quick we've seen so far is not the quick we're going to get in the season, or at least he'll be better insulated and he can still use, you know, make some of those pretty acrobatic saves. But again, when a goalie plays such a reactive acrobatic style, you know, you're as your physical tools decline with age and you, you're just not, you know, half a, what seconds slower or not as sharp that's what gets you in the end you have to you know luckily he can work with Ben Waddellaire and maybe adjust his game because if anyone can elongate a goaltender's career lord knows it's potentially the best goalie coach in the league so 
Um, so Jonathan Quick will definitely have a chance to show me that's not the case. God, I hope so because that would be a real kick in the in the in the pills if if the Igor has a rounded back to form uh, year for him. But that comes at the expense of literally not being able to trust in the backup to to do what they need to do and hold down the fort while he's not there. That would that would suck. So hopefully that is not the case. All right, that's going to about do it on this one. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see what lineup the New York Rangers roll out against the Devils on uh, Thursday, or excuse me, Wednesday, pardon me. Um, hopefully Philip Heedle can finally see some preseason action after that first game where he got hurt. I know they're being extra cautious, and which is good, but again, I want to make sure everyone at least has some sort of... Uh, yeah, at least can has has a little bit of a feel for the pace so they can hit the ground running this season. But um, again, you have to trust the Rangers uh, medical staff to do what's right by the player and make sure he's good to go and not put him in for no reason. So um, but yeah, it'll I think, again, it'll be more interesting to glean what uh, Peter Laviolette and the coaching staff are thinking as far as their eventual lines going to the season. And most interestingly will be um, Othman and Cooley are still there. Is uh, Can they prove me wrong? Can they make the, can they continue to do what they're doing and make it too tough a decision where it's like, yes, you know, cause it's the right decision until it's not right. So we can keep saying it makes sense, depth, you lose, yada, 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 yada. But if they just keep pushing and pushing and showing and showing, there's a potential that one of them, and honestly, it, it would probably be, I would imagine it would be end up being Cooley, but they could say, you know what? Like, this player is more useful to us up here from how he's played, I, I think. So we shall see. All it takes is maybe one ho-hum performance so far. For that to be like, okay, that's you know, that's enough of that. We'll we like we're promising what we saw, but we'll we'll get them developing. But if they just continue to make it difficult at some point, potentially the coaching staff has to have a long, hard conversation, you know, amongst themselves. As I end today's podcast, uh, James, even though he could not be here with us tonight, did text me some of his thoughts because I asked him. I said, hey. Uh, once we had gleaned that he was going to be predisposed with family duties for the day, uh, being, you know, father to a little one, um, and coming back from a trip upstate, uh, I did text him and said, Hey, is there anything, can I at least get your thoughts for the, on the preseason so far? And I'll, you know, I'll bring them up on, so you can have, you know, your, your present voice can be heard on this podcast in some form. So I'm going to read that to you now. Uh, here's your said. Number one, judging quick in preseason is silly. He's won three cups, was backup last year. I'm not worried about him. I'm glad James is less worried than I am because I literally just uh, went on what? I just did five minutes on how I'm worried about Jonathan Quick. So, but James is not. So, and I'm usually the, the optimistic one. So that's good to hear. Uh, number two, Panarin and Laugh seem to have zero compete level. Going through the motions, question mark, for players who are looked at as uh, failures, they don't get a pass from me. So harsh, much harsher criticism for Lafreniere and Panarin thinks they should be showing more despite their perceived uh, security on making the roster. And number three, Cooley and Othman don't seem interested in the AHL. I agree 100%. 
uh, as I just uh, did another 10 minutes on them and just, yeah, they're too, honestly, kudos to them. They don't seem, they, because it's be easy to see the, the writing on the wall and be like, you know what, there are not spots here, but they're just doing what you do. You got to push, 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 make it a difficult decision. Because even if you do, um, don't make it up on this try, that means you're probably first in their mind the second there's an injury or a call up. So, uh, so yeah, so hopefully they continue to push. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.